Lord, I pray that you will reveal to us this morning the message of your word. Fix it firmly in our hearts and give us the courage and the strength to put it into action in our lives. Amen. What is the point? Does life actually have a purpose? Seriously, do you not get up sometimes and wonder what is the point? Well, this morning we're looking at Joseph, who, along with his coat, is probably one of the most colourful characters in the Bible. And because it's back to church Sunday today, uh, I thought it would be good to examine exactly that question. The question that is sometimes on our lips, sometimes on our hearts. Does life really have a purpose? And maybe you are here today because you don't really know the answer to that question. Well, we all know the story of Joseph, don't we? He was the favoured son of Jacob who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Uh, So Joseph is a descendant of Abraham, uh, from whose seed God promised would come a blessing for all families. And we hear in chapter 17 that Pam read to us that Joseph was just 17 at the start of his story. Some would say that's rather young to to go through the ordeal that he went through. But to me, it just shows us that God really isn't ageist. He will use the young and he will use the old for his purpose, if only we'll let him. We also learn that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Now, do any parents here with more than one child have a favorite? Are you prepared to confess it? Sure, we all have our moments when one child is easier to love than another. I expect, however, that most of us love the different qualities in all our children. I have a rather challenging son of 20, and I have a pretty angelic, pretty obedient, pretty daughter of 17. And I always say that God sent me Amelia to show me that I'm not a rubbish parent. But I certainly don't love Greg any the less for all the soul-searching that he's caused me over the years. And luckily he's up in Leeds at the moment, so he's not going to get me for this. So outwardly declaring Joseph his favourite, Jacob was probably not the best parent in the world. Possibly not helped by the fact that he was both adulterous and polygamous, which fueled the envy and the jealousies between the brothers. And we see in this passage really clearly just how destructive jealousy and envy can be. So Jacob showed his favoritism to Joseph by giving him the famous coat of many colours. And this would have been a long coat, not one that a working man would wear, but a garment of privilege and status, immediately singling out Joseph from the rest of his brothers. Result? Envy and hatred from the brothers. Note to parents, try to treat all your children equally. Now, Joseph, we learnt, gave Jacob a bad report about his brothers. Now, we don't know exactly what they had done, but whatever it was, Joseph reported it to his father. Now, there are two ways of looking at this. Was he a snitch telling tales on his brothers? Or if they had really done something bad, 
which I think we can all believe they're quite capable of, was he just a responsible whistleblower? Is it wrong to tell those in authority about evil and wrongdoing of others? I leave you to judge, but I know when I started thinking about today's talk, I had a very clear opinion of Joseph as a rather spoilt, arrogant teenager. But my view of him has been rather transformed as I try to imagine myself in his shoes, or, or even his coat for that matter. Anyway, whatever his motivation, the brothers would not have been happy to learn that Joseph had gone to their father. Then, to add fuel to the fire, Joseph recounts to his brothers his two dreams. In both these dreams, Joseph is elevated the position of power, and the brothers, and indeed the parents as well in the second dream, are bowing subserviently before him. Now, these dreams were obviously a direct message from God, a prophecy about Joseph's future, his purpose in life. There was no doubt about the implication of these dreams. Both the brothers and Jacob himself, who kept the dream in mind, understood the meaning. So was Joseph's behavior faithful or foolish? Was he boastful and arrogant? Or was he truthful and prophetic by telling his family about the dreams? Certainly it stirred up the brothers' hatred to fever pitch, which could in itself be considered rather unwise. However, if Joseph didn't tell them about the dream, does it not rather defeat the objective of prophecy? Surely prophecy only has a teaching value if it is told. And if they hadn't been told about the dreams, the brothers and Jacob would not have realized later on in the story that this was God's will all along. Knowing 17-year-old boys, it's easy to favor the bragging argument as we form an opinion about Joseph. But let us not forget that God is at work here. In verse 12, as Joseph is sent out by his father to see how his brothers are getting on grazing the sheep in Sechem, his life is about to change dramatically. The brothers, fueled by envy and jealousy plot to kill Joseph, but eventually settle for stripping him of his fancy coat, throwing him into a pit, and subsequently selling him for 20 shekels of silver to some Midianite merchants who take him off to Egypt. How scary must that have been? What a change of fortune. It's one thing to know that your brother might not like you and be a bit jealous of you, but quite another to find yourself on the verge of being murdered and sold into slavery at 17. Joseph has very quickly been stripped, quite literally, of the preferential treatment he got from his father. And if he had been a bit proud, is about to learn some humility. God takes Joseph and breaks him by taking him right out of his rather cushy comfort zone and stretching him over many years. However, God remains with him throughout all his trials and tribulations, and Joseph, in turn, keeps his eyes firmly on God and doesn't waver. 
with the ultimate conclusion a few chapters later that Joseph fulfills God's plan for him and saves the life of a nation. Well, I hear you say, that's all very well. God obviously had a plan for Joseph. He had marked him for great things. What's that story got to, got to do with me and my purpose in life? I'm not Joseph. I'm not special. I'm not part of a chosen family. Actually, part of the time, I'm not even that good a person at all. I think God has made it quite clear that he has a purpose for all of us. He can and will use every single one of us to do great things or small things, if we will but let him. Every life has a purpose for God, but we do need to let him guide us, use us, and show us the way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. What amazingly encouraging words are those from Jeremiah. And God doesn't only use those of us who are good and strong and have got their act together. We heard from Nicola last Sunday how God works with the weak and the unloved too. Even those murderous brothers of Joseph went on to become the head of the 12 tribes of Israel, obviously after they'd repented and seen the light. But we need to learn, like Joseph, that whatever happens to us, God can use it to his power and glory. Joseph had to be broken before he was used by God. And it is sometimes when we're broken, when we turn most to God, lean on him, need him and rely on him, that he can begin to get to work and use us best. When I lost my high-powered, well-paid job as managing director of Christian Dior a few years back, I was completely shaken, very scared, and my self-confidence shattered. However, for some reason, I knew it was part of God's plan, as I know that he uses me through my work. I prayed more intensely at that time, as I really needed his help. And I felt very, very reliant on him. Yes, of course, I was stressed out about my circumstances. But I also tried to put my trust in him, to focus on him and what he wanted me to learn as a result of those circumstances. Since then, I've had the privilege of helping, guiding, counselling, mentoring and praying for many people who've also lost their jobs and who've been equally shell-shocked as a result. I'm not saying that God set out to break me, but I know that he worked with me in my brokenness. As Keir said a couple of weeks ago, not everything that happens is the work of God, but God works in everything that happens. So God may not be the cause of your breaking, but he'll be there with you as you go through it. Have you been broken? How did it strengthen you? Have you lost someone you love? Have you lost your job? Have you had to face failure of some kind? Are you sick? 
I'm sure most of us have felt very vulnerable at some point in our lives. You might be there right now. Are you willing to let God do what he needs to do in your life? Is there something in your life that seems to be spiraling out of control? If so, take it to God in prayer. Trust him. He wants to use you in the good times and the bad. God had a plan for Joseph. Whatever calamity befell him, God made it prosper. And Joseph turned to God in the good times and the bad times and allowed God to use him. God also has a plan for us. Think about where he wants to use you. In your workplace, within a friendship group, with people in need, with the young, with the old, the sick, the poor. God needed Joseph to save a nation. What or who does he want us to save? Amen.